Welcome to the special bulletin review, Modernizing Federal Government Planning, sponsored by Decision Lens. Here's today's moderator, Tom Temin. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Dan Soddy, the chief scientist and co-founder of Decision Lens. Dan, good to have you with us this morning. Thank you, Tom. Glad to and be here. This process that we're going to be discussing, the program objective memorandum, well yes. known to people in DOD and the contractors too, for that matter, the POM process, but that's only a sub-process of a very long idea of getting things funded and paid for that the, that the Defense Department wants to do. So give us a, just a general survey of the types of projects you work with. Yes. It's kind of surrounding that whole POM process. Sure, so we work across the, de the Department of Defense. They use our software to help with planning and resource allocation decisions in all phases of planning. We also work with the civilian government with organizations like the FAA, where they're using our software to help with investment decisions and how they allocate resources. We also work with state and local governments in infrastructure planning and helping them automate how they allocate their limited budget to ensure that they're supporting critical in infrastructure objectives. So across all different aspects of planning we work. I guess the theme I'm hearing is complexity. Yes. Projects that have long life cycles, that have many players, that have many perhaps budget lines. Yes. And you quickly get into kind of quicksand, I guess, if you're not careful on this type of project. Yes, and actually with the government, it's a huge challenge because when you look at most organizations, the planning process is broken up among different parts of the organization. So people who are looking at the long range often are slightly different than people who are looking at the mid range. And those are different than the financial managers who are trying to figure out what to spend money on next month. And so uh, there's a lot of challenges with how you organize these processes and manage data. Uh, my own experience comes out of having facilitated planning sessions. I, I actually work with the POM, you mentioned the POM, that's the five-year DOD budget process, and supported Air Force Space Command in 1998 doing their POM process. So I've been at this for a while. What was interesting is at that time, they were largely still using spreadsheets, manually collecting data, trying to merge it in an error-prone process, and then make decisions in a very fluid environment, and it was very challenging to do. Fast forward to today, and a lot of the organizations who we're not working with yet are still doing largely the same thing. They're trying to manage these complicated planning processes with spreadsheets, and collecting data manually, merging it manually, and helping support decisions manually, but that creates breakage in planning and a misallocation of resources. And so what we are really focused on is, how do we fix this problem? How do we get the government to become more effective at allocating resources? And oh, by the way, in a highly constrained environment where they only have so much flexibility in what choices they make. So, and these spreadsheets, I mean, give us a sense of those of the type of data that's required. These spreadsheets are not like three columns by five rows. You're talking really big documents, correct? Tom, that's absolutely right. Uh, for any, any of your audience who are planners, who are still using spreadsheets, I, I can feel for them because it's a very challenging thing to do. We work with an organization in the Army, the Training and Doctrine Command, and their people in the field need to go out and collect requirements to determine what they're gonna fund for the next planning cycle. 
A lot of that process used to be done with spreadsheet calls where you're sending out 30 spreadsheets. Somebody's trying to bring those spreadsheets back together and build a plan with them, and then their uh, changes are happening the whole time. They're making errors as they merge the sheets. Data's changed since they got the spreadsheet. They're briefing their bosses for a recommendation, and before the decision's even been made, the data's changed and they realize they gotta come back. So it puts planners in a permanently reactive state to be using these antiquated processes for how they manage and make trade-offs using planning-related data. And, and I can describe what that is, if that would be useful, what, what planning-related data is. Y yes, what is it? It's yes. more than just money, but that's a part of it. It's a set of needs or requirements uh, that organizations have to fulfill their current and future missions. And those needs or requirements can be broken into needs to sustain what I'm doing today and also needs to help drive better transformation in the future. Rarely will you walk into a government agency where an executive comes in and says, I just wanna keep doing what I've been doing for the last 20, what we've been doing here for 25 years. I don't wanna change anything. So as leaders come in, they're trying to prepare their organization for the future. And the way that they do that is by trying to drive transformation. They come up with new initiatives. But when they try and roll that out to the organization, the people who actually operate the day-to-day -day business are barely able to sustain what they do today. You know now we're, we've been in a continu continuing resolution and that's really caused a lot of havoc in these organizations because it prevents them from doing any new starts in the continuing resolution process. And it makes even sustaining what they do today difficult. So those people are put under a lot of pressure because their leaders want to drive change. They can barely sustain what they're doing today in a chaotic government environment. And worst of all, they're trying to do this with spreadsheets manually. And it's time for a change. It's time to change that. We're now in the mid, you know, heading towards the first quarter of the 21st century. And we need to move beyond that. And you mentioned the planning data takes place in a couple of different formats. But yes. uh, what is generating the planning data? There must be financial systems and... So, so the planning data comes from, from multiple areas. It comes from people who identify new needs. It comes from existing financial systems. It comes from analytical groups who identify gaps in our future capabilities and they're trying to make recommendations of how you drive change. It comes from people who are trying to sustain these ancient bases that we have across the United States. A lot of these bases were built, military bases were built a hundred years ago and they're not keeping up with the, the future. Uh, so I believe honestly, the most important thing in DOD and across our government is how they allocate resources. That's gonna define how they do in the future. No matter what weapon system you have today, your, your ultimate effectiveness depends on how you invest over the long range to be able to stay ahead of our adversaries or uh, to help an organization meet its mission, whether it's a, a civilian organization or a government organization, and make all this work effectively. And so our belief is that this is best accomplished by automating these phases of the planning process. As, I, I yes. want to get to that, but I just want to ask first before we get to that issue of how you get around this, how fine-grained does this get? Because if you look at the military, they have really big programs. Yes. A new submarine building program that takes as a 30-year effort. 
or you know, in the case of the Army, say they need a new land mobile vehicle type of thing, yes. or maybe a new comprehensive network, JADC3, yep. you know, that, that affects all of the armed services and the Pentagon. But then you mentioned it gets down to, say, sustaining an ancient base, yes. which might be a new parking lot we need, and it's already crumbling or something from the last one. So it sounds like they have both tactical problems yes. as well as strategic problems in making sure that the money is there when it's needed and that they can execute on that particular project. That's, that's absolutely true. And track the performance impact of it. You know, we have this concept with our software of how do you move the needle, moving the needle analytics? Well, first of all, you need to figure out what is the needle for the type of investment that you're making? Is it improving the condition of our facilities? Is it modernizing our weapon systems so that we can deliver a lot of weapon systems 15 years from now? And so within each of these planning processes, as they define requirements, they need to define what their performance measures are. How am I gonna drive effectiveness in the organization? And that's very hard to do, as I said, with spreadsheet-based processes. So the goal is pull those spreadsheets into a living planning framework and enable stakeholders now to operate in a living system where they're collecting requirements, prioritizing requirements collaboratively, running resource allocation scenarios to evaluate choices, and then systematically tracking and improving the way that they make decisions. And so that's what we're talking about is a migration away from event-based, spreadsheet-based planning to a more integrated, continuous way of looking at the decisions you make at each phase of the planning process, futures to mid-range planning to short-range planning and spend planning and budgeting and execution, all of it. And you mentioned pulling the spreadsheets into some kind of an analytical environment, but yes. do you really need to pull in the spreadsheets or is there a way to get rid of them altogether yes. and put your data into some other type of field that is more useful and more dynamic or maybe more agile might be the word. A absolutely, but the reality is right now the data is managed in spreadsheets and you want to meet them where they're at. I don't want them to have to start something completely new. Give me what you got, let's put it into the software and now you can engage your stakeholders collaboratively in the process of managing and updating that data from now on. And if they're able to do that, we can start to track the history of how assumptions are made, how resources are allocated, and use that information to drive better and better frameworks for how we allocate our budgets. Government effectiveness is ultimately defined by how resources are allocated. Sure. And, uh Getting back to the spreadsheets for a moment, I guess maybe the virtue of them, if there is any, is that at least it's machine-readable data Absolutely. to begin with. Absolutely. And just again, a process question. So if the spreadsheets are in an environment, say under the decision lens methodology, yes. can you also change things in the spreadsheet without going in, as you say, and if there's 30 spreadsheets and you have to change the same cell in all 30, yes. then you haven't gained much. So. Can you... Our goal is to have moved them off the spreadsheet. They're going to pull it into decision lens and they're operating in decision lens and using it. However, you do have the data you need to connect to. You also need to connect to your systems of record. So the software has the ability to connect through an API to your existing systems and pull data in. But a lot of the pre-decisional data is not in the systems of record. It's in people's Word documents and spreadsheets and PowerPoint slides and it's fragmented and it makes planning break through every phase of the planning process if you can't better automate how that's done. And that's really our, our entire mission 
is to help support that goal. Yeah, so the, for that information, like the decisional documents, say, you know, that could be a doctrine statement, yes. which exists as a, you know, prettified, but it's basically a Word document, you know, maybe made into a pretty PowerPoint. Yes. But it's not compatible exactly with data coming from uh, systems of record or from the derivative spreadsheets. Yes. So that sounds like a pretty difficult integration problem. It is. Because those are the documents that are actually stating what it is leadership wants to do. Well, and the interesting thing about those documents, Tom, is they're a list of aspirations where nothing's prioritized. Well, is everything equal? Do I focus my limited resources on everything equally? That's probably not the case. So in these analytic frameworks, you want to enable people to establish the relative importance of the, that guidance, those goals and objectives in the context of what they're trying to do. If it's a weapon system that we're trying to use to defend the United States, a future bomber, we wanna be thinking about what, what is needed uh, in terms of performance for that bomber to deliver its future mission and how do we effectively allocate our limited dollars not only to prepare for that future mission but also sustain the bombers that we have in the air today and how to become more deliberate. It's gotta get off of PowerPoints and snapshot briefings that are not well connected in a continuous planning process. All right, you've laid out a pretty good problem. We're gonna take a short break on that and come back and get into this a little bit deeper. My guest today is Dan Soddy, the chief scientist and co-founder of Decision Lens. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin, on the special bulletin review, Modernizing Federal Government Planning, sponsored by Decision Lens here on Federal News Network. How can the United States be considered an innovation leader with a government planning process dictated by manual spreadsheets? This high-tech country deserves a high-tech government. Decision Lens Software is here to transform and bring innovation back to the capital. Organizations using Decision Lens achieve operational efficiency. They gain the agility to pivot as priorities shift and the confidence to stand behind an expertly executed budget. Give your agency a competitive advantage. Learn more at decisionlens.com. Welcome back to our special bulletin review, Modernizing Federal Government Planning, sponsored by Decision Lens here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Dan Soddy, the chief scientist and co-founder of Decision Lens. I'm Tom Temin. And before the break, we were talking about the idea of allocating according to priorities. Yep. And that's a little bit of a sort of longitudinal and horizontal situation because sometimes a very high priority may not be big dollars, whereas something routine is big dollars, but it's a lower priority. So how does that get resolved in this whole environment we've been talking about? Tom, that's an excellent question. Uh, a lot of organizations, what they'll try and do is just fund in order of priority. But the reality is sometimes when you do that, you're not getting the best bang for buck because you might fund things that are way down the priority list that are extremely expensive and maybe not valuable. But that is where you want to be able to look forward and look at your targets and objectives because sometimes by spending a dime today, you're going to save a dollar in the future. So you really need a multi-dimensional view of these investments that let you look at their value, the ultimate cost of the investment, the risk associated with it, as well as whether you're balancing properly across your portfolio. Uh, if you're a, an NFL team and you're gonna go draft players, you would never draft six quarterbacks in a row. That would not create good balance in, in your team. Similarly, for portfolio planners, they need to make sure that they allocate their resources to support the activities that they do across the business, 
but that they fund those things that are best bang for buck within the portfolio. So our software solution has the ability to automate that planning, help them see those value against cost, risk, and balance trade-offs, and make smarter decisions with their limited resources. And the environment, how does it present to people? That is to say, can the executives, can the planners, can the people that are the operators, the acquisition people and so forth that are doing and working in executing the, the actual steps of a program, yes. is everybody in, the, in a similar environment and can they communicate one with one another that way? Because that would seem yes. to make everybody on the same spreadsheet of music, if you will. Absolutely, and, and that's exactly what we're, we're trying to help them do is automate the collection of their requirements for the mid-range planning process, the POM, and then be able to start to more effectively connect that to how you spend dollars. Now, uh, one of the challenges brought up by uh, organizations is the, the way you describe choices in the mid-range are different than the way you do in the, in the monthly or yearly view. So what we say in that case is get started automating each of those phases of the planning process, and then you can work on how you make that translation from mid to short range planning. Whereas today, they're doing it in spreadsheets, they're not really discussing with one another, and those connections cannot be made. So our, our belief is automate the planning data from submission of requirements through prioritization, through resource allocation decisions, and track that into spend planning to start to create those connections. And you're now into what we call continuous planning. Instead of a spreadsheet, a decision, and it's quickly divorced from reality, you're operating in a living environment to move our planning forward. Uh, we're seeing a really enthusiastic response from this, uh, both in DOD and civilian government, as well as in state and local government. And I imagine, of course, you want to sell lots of copies, but it seems that the more comprehensively this methodology exists across, say, something like the Pentagon, yes. and not just within an armed service, because they do have a lot of programs that are cross-service. Absolutely. And I'm thinking of something like the JADC2 network, yes. where each armed service has its piece of it. There's a Pentagon piece, this is involved, or yep. cloud computing, those types of things that cut across. The more everyone's working with the same methodology, the better it is for the department as a whole for those cross-cutting projects. It's interesting you mentioned that. Our first customer back in 2008 was the military health system who was using our software to help do go. health facility planning. And they were bringing together three services who had previously run their own facility planning. And they were now trying to coordinate from an office of Secretary of Defense level how they do integrated planning. They continue to use the software for that planning till today. It's helped them support major recommendations to Congress that help them get additional funding to support the mil DOD military healthcare network. And so we have seen that that integrated process can add a lot of value, and that is our, our objective, is bring more visibility both within the services and across services to how you plan. I had mentioned that in 1998, I worked for Air Force Space Command, helping them with their POM. Well, that organization has now evolved to Space Force, a big portion of it, and they are now trying to reestablish their planning processes and prepare us for a future. And they deal with very sophisticated capabilities, mm -hmm. and how do they do this in a smart way? So we're interested in really driving those discussions throughout the government to improve effectiveness of taxpayer dollars. All right, and before we move on to some of the civilian aspects of this, just maybe briefly describe what would a really good POM process, and more than a POM process, a good budget process and planning process look like 
yes. in, in the end of time here? Well, first of all, it would be automated versus manually done on spreadsheets. But second of all, it would enable people to really start to establish the, the critical data needed to make smart trade-off decisions and carry that all the way through your decision processes across planning horizons. And when I talk about what does that data look like, well, it's the data associated with how those requirements will fulfill your future objectives of the organization, but also how they will help you address gaps. And so our solution can help with every aspect of that planning process. What's the relative importance of the gaps in my ability to deliver my mission? What are my issues with how I sustain things? And then how do I smartly allocate dollars to move the needle, to close the gaps, to use our resources wisely to help support our missions. I believe if we don't do this, it erodes our competitive position against our adversaries in the Department of Defense. I've watched this happen over the last 20 to 25 years. The way we stay ahead of them is by smartly allocating resources. Right, yes, because the DOD does spend a lot of money, but it doesn't always spend it wisely. Absolutely. And so the end result is you see another nation's capability, say, in hypersonics, and you say, how come we're not there? Yes. And if that happens in spreadsheets and the logic behind it is lost, you don't learn from it and you don't improve how you do it in the future. So our goal is to bring more continuity and visibility to those choices so that we can systematically improve how we allocate resources. All right. Moving to the civilian side, let's talk about first the Department of Agriculture. Uh, you've had some success there, and what did you fix for them? Yes, we work in, in many of the USDA DA organizations. One of them is APHIS, the Animal and Plant Health Inspection mm -hmm. Service, where they use our software to help with a variety of strategic decisions to make sure that we keep our food safe, that we address uh, animal-related uh, disease that can occur in the United States. and so. It's very mission critical and it helps protect our citizens if people are more deliberate in how they look at how they respond to these situations as they occur. So we work in the USDA. We've also uh, been working in the Federal Aviation Administration for a number of years where they use decision lens to help around a variety of planning decisions associated with how you deliver uh, air, air, uh, air traffic uh, control systems in the future. Yes, because, uh, well, let's talk about the FAA for a moment. They have a history of having difficulty in rolling out long-term technology projects. Yes. For a variety of reasons. They even got, I think, excused from the FAR about 25 years ago so they could somehow have some more flexibility. And these are big projects because every station sometimes needs a technology insert. Yes. And then it all has to integrate so that you have a continuous airspace that is safe. So yes. lots of requirements and lots of complexity. And lots of existing infrastructure that you have to balance all of those trade-offs against. They run facilities all over the United States. And how do you allocate between sustaining the operations of today and being more smart, more, uh, more deliberate in how you allocate resources to support the next generation of air traffic management? So it strikes control. me this process would give an agency a much better view into not only new technology, but in the life cycle maintenance of existing technology. Yes. I mean, there are literally places where they have boards that they're afraid to pull out because they might disintegrate. Yes. Which means if they plan for that 
10 years earlier, they wouldn't be in that position. That kind of thing you see from time to time. That's absolutely true. In fact, one of the other areas where we work is state and local government, and they're looking at infrastructure planning, and how do I build roads and bridges so that they are sustainable over time? How do I prepare for what the future economy is gonna look like with infrastructure? These are long-range planning projects that you're trying to balance towards what you're just doing today to get by and making that all the more deliberate. And I believe our planners operate a little bit on crutches in doing this when you're using spreadsheets to try and manage something so sophisticated and complex. And there's another piece of this too, because all of these require appropriations from lawmakers, whether it's the federal or state or local level. Yes. And so you are, as an agency, better armed with facts that are less controvertible That's right. in, in trying to justify a budget for something, and, and uh, that enables probably lawmakers to make better decisions about allocation of their appropriations. We've seen think. our customers in the DOD, they're at a strategic advantage when they come with recommendations with good logic that engage multiple people in an explicit process where you know you have data integrity, it brings a lot of credibility to what they're recommending. And just to discuss a little bit more about the APHIS uh, office at USDA. I mean, it seems like a straightforward, you have people out there looking at eggs, looking at chickens, and looking at things, and what, what's the big deal? Yes, it, you need to determine how you react to those situations, and it can vary. It, has it become a point where it's an absolute crisis and we need to do something about it and alert the public largely? Or is this something that's largely under control, it's not much of a risk to the population? So it's a constant, risk management exercise that they're looking at and how to be prepared for these events as they happen in, uh, in, in animal and uh, plant health inspection. And in all of these cases, DOD, state and local, say infrastructure work, FAA, there is a large component of contractors and industry that is feeding into what it is they do, which really supplies most of what they actually do do. It's yes. ultimately an acquisition output that yes. results from all of this planning. That's right. And so how can contractors and how can industry get rolled up into that planning process? That's a great question. We actually look at our solution as helping with uh, three, uh, three key aspects of planning. Connecting across uh, time horizons, which we talked about, connecting across functions, and connecting up and down the organizational hierarchy. What you were just talking about is functions. When we go to build an aircraft carrier, someone else might be building the radar for that aircraft carrier. And if you don't coordinate the radar with the aircraft carrier program and it's delivered too late, you can slow the whole thing down. So by having an integrated process that connects planning, you can look across those various activities where we're building systems that rely on one another. Those are done through contracts, but we can use this software to help manage how we have our government personnel connect the dots in these planning organizations. And very briefly, I imagine having this kind of knowledge and insight into what's happening in the future and your dollars can save organizations from maybe a little bit of over-exuberant optimism, too. Absolutely, and, and make sure that they don't misallocate that extra $50 million towards something that is ultimately likely to not support your objectives in the future. All right, well, I wish we had another hour, but some fascinating stuff, and maybe some people hear this and start to get a hold of their planning, too. My guest Thank today you. has been Dan Soddy, the chief scientist and co-founder of Decision Lens. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. You're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Decision Lens.
Thank you for listening to the special bulletin review, Modernizing Federal Government Planning, sponsored by Decision Lens on Federal News Network. How can the United States be considered an innovation leader with a government planning process dictated by manual spreadsheets? This high-tech country deserves a high-tech government. Decision Lens Software is here to transform and bring innovation back to the capital. Organizations using Decision Lens achieve operational efficiency. They gain the agility to pivot as priorities shift and the confidence to stand behind an expertly executed budget. Give your agency a competitive advantage. Learn more at DecisionLens.com. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission.